Welcome to the Seattle Mariners Baseball Podcast. Diving stop, Seager. Toss on off the first. In time to get seven. Three-run homer. Robinson can off the lefty specialist, Fernando Abad. And the Mariners lead it five to four. Goodbye, baseball. Leonis Martin with a walk-off. Two-run home run. And the king, when the Mariners needed him the most, two hits over seven. Now, here's your host, Gary Hill. Welcome back to the Seattle Mariners Baseball Podcast. Gary Hill back with you. Thanks for coming back once again. Yes, opening day right around the corner, a couple weeks away now. And today we're going to start our AL West previews. Today we're going to take a look at the Texas Rangers. Evan Grant's going to be here. Should be a fun conversation about the defending AL West champs. They've won it two years in a row, so... How do they look coming into this season? Evan Grant is going to tell us. We're going to talk about the A's coming up tomorrow. You start to look around a little bit. I think the impression is around the baseball country that uh, the A's will finish towards the bottom of the AL West. But I've read in a couple places where uh, there's some thoughts the A's may be a surprise team in the AL West. So we'll talk about that coming up tomorrow. We'll do the Angels after that, either on Friday or the beginning of next week. And then the Astros will follow after that. So we'll bang out the entire AL West in the next uh, few podcasts. And then by then, we're really going to start to take a look at the roster, preview the season. And the season's going to be here before we know it. So speaking of that, the Mariners played yesterday, played against Oakland, and the lineup was looking very much the way it may look on opening day. Uh, Cano and Cruz back, of course, after the WBC. And, you know, Dyson, Segura, Cano, Cruz, Seeger, Hanniger, Vogelback, Zanino, Lemos Martin, the starting nine for the Mariners yesterday against the A's. And it's great to see Cano back in a Mariners uniform. Here's Cano swinging a flick in the right center field, dropping in for a base hit. Dyson to second, makes the turn to third, waved in easily. This ball picked up against the wall in right center. Dyson coasts home. He puts it in low gear. He can take his time as Cano, a run-scoring two-out double to right center. Mariners fell to the A's, 8-5. to They faced Jarrell Cotton in that one, got him for five runs. He's going to be a name that we're going to talk about in the podcast tomorrow, one of the young arms for the Oakland A's that they'll be counting on this season. WBC action, of course, the United States won yesterday. 2009, they lost in the semis to Japan right here. than they ever have in World Baseball Classic history. Jim Leland smiling for the first time in two weeks, and the Americans have a date tomorrow with Puerto Rico. Thriller of a game, 2-1 to one against Japan, so that pushes the United States into the finals against Puerto Rico. And for Puerto Rico, Edwin Diaz, who uh, has just been dynamite. Here with Edwin Diaz. Edwin, congratulations. How do you describe your feelings right now? Wow, man, it's amazing. You know, tough situation in the 11. You know, I just follow Yari and, you know, it's unbelievable, man. In the 10th inning, your encounter with Ballantine. Describe your emotions 
Fastball, fastball to Valentin there. You know, I, I saw him hit a couple of a home runs over with Osby. I just go after with my fastball. I know I can beat it with my fastball. You mentioned Yadier Molina. You watch him, now you play with him. How special is Yadi to this team? You know, Yadi is the captain, you know, he's the main brain for the all the field, you know, he he got the pitcher in the right spot, you know, every time and he every time when he in the in the in the catching, you know, we made pitches and you know that they got the main team made pitch and win the games. Edwin for years all of us in baseball talked about this young group of Puerto Rican players. Now you're here. You are one win away from being world champions. What does that mean? You know, it's amazing. You know, we want to give the win to Puerto Rico. You know, with the championship Puerto Rico. You know, we got a lot of kids over there. You know, they followed us. You know, we followed Beltran and Yari when we was a kid. You know, and now this is our moment. Last one for you, Edwin. What's your message to the people back home? You can say it in Spanish if you want to. The United States against Puerto Rico for the World Baseball Classic Championship. Marcus Stroman is going to take the ball for the United States. Blue Jays pitcher. One of the surprises, I think, of the tournament is how much Puerto Rico is getting from their pitching staff. They have been outstanding. Seth Lugo is going to take the ball for... Puerto Rico in the final. So 6 o'clock tonight, Dodger Stadium, and maybe Edwin Diaz will have another chance to close out a win for Puerto Rico. So the tournament's been a lot of fun to watch, hopefully even following it. But uh, the final tonight, 6 o'clock in Los Angeles. So talk about that a little bit more tomorrow on the podcast. Right now, though, the Texas Rangers defending champions, should they be considered the favorite coming into the season? Well, now we get a chance to connect with, uh, well, when you want to know about the Rangers, Evan Grant is the one to turn to, Dallas Morning News Rangers writer. You can follow him on Twitter, at Evan underscore P underscore Grant. Evan, thanks for taking the time. Really appreciate it. Happy to be here, Gary. How are you? I'm doing great, and uh, uh, I'm even better because the season is right around the corner, and the Rangers in a pretty interesting place. Back-to-back division titles, 95 wins a year ago. When you look at this team heading into the season, what do you think the biggest key is for the Rangers to make it a three-peat in the division? Well, I think if you look at this team, it's um, the Rangers feel that they're more balanced than they've ever been. And I think a lot of that balance has to do with the fact that when everybody's healthy mm. uh, and they expect everybody to be healthy by the end of April, early May, the rotation's just deeper than it's been. Um, certainly, it's... It is, this will be the first time that they've had a full year of Darvish and Hamels together. And that's as good a one-two punch as you'll find in the American League. When Tyson Ross is healthy, as as a number three, he's certainly an asset. And the guy can pitch at, at, at a level that's not too far behind Darvish and Hamels. Um, that allows you to slide Martin Perez into the four spot. And I think a guy who pitched 200 innings last year and, and who's still 26 years old, can continue to improve, but that certainly also gives them, I think, a, a strong number four situation. And then at number five, they're hoping to have Andrew Kashner, who, you know, has under underachieved in the big leagues, but he's always had great stuff. Uh, he is from Texas. He's always wanted to get back to Texas. Uh, he's in a free agent year again. And so maybe this is uh, where the Rangers hit a little bit of a, of a bonanza there. So for me, the rotation performing to the levels that it can uh, gives this team 
its biggest asset. I, I also think that when you look at the other two teams that I consider the most likely contenders, Houston and Seattle, those lineups are very strong. I think that um, I think they're certainly on the level with the Rangers lineup, which is which is a solid lineup and, and will be very balanced all the way through. But I think the difference for the Rangers is that their starting rotation should be deeper uh, than it has been. And, and just to add to that, you know, they won't have cash and won't have Ross for the start of the year, but I think they've got a serviceable option in Dylan G. They've got a serviceable option in, in A.J. Griffin to kind of give them five innings early in the year in starts and, and then turn it over to what should be a very strong bullpen. And you mentioned what I think is a really interesting name in Tyson Ross, who's had some excellent seasons through his career, real good pitcher. How far along is he? How close is he? And what are the expectations for him after the offseason surgery? Well, as we speak here on, on the 21st, he is scheduled to throw a, uh, to, live, to live hitters today for the first time. Okay. Um, and I, I think the Rangers' perspective going into camp had been if he was ready to face hitters before the end of camp, they would have thought that was, uh, that was right on schedule. So he's about a week ahead of schedule. Um, this situation with thoracic outlet syndrome, which the Rangers have had ample um, experience with, you know, it's, it's not a thing where I think they, they, they worry about the same kind of setbacks that you would with a Tommy John or, or something that involved a ligament. This is, this, I think, once he's on track, he's he's going to continue to move forward, and and I think you could see uh, I think you could see Tyson Ross at this point. You know, if, if he's facing hitters today for the first time, uh, I'd say you're looking at at maybe five or six weeks from today, which would be you know a full spring training complement. And so we're talking right around the end of April or the first week of May. Maybe the Rangers play four games against San Diego uh, starting the, the uh, I think it's the uh, 6th of May or the 7th of May. Uh, and so maybe he faces his old teammates in his first start back from the DL. Yeah, that'd be interesting. What about the bullpen for the Rangers this year? How does that shape up? Well, I, I, I think we're all experienced enough to say that there's no more fickle and delicate <laughs> organism, as I like to tell Aaron Goldsmith all the time, than a, a major league bullpen. Um, so it, it, the, the, the performance changes from year to year, and, and one guy's health or one guy's downturn in performance can affect multiple guys. But that said, I, uh, I think this Rangers bullpen is in really good shape going into the season. Um, Sam Dyson has pitched exceptionally well in the WBC. Uh, as He'll be the Rangers' closer. Matt Bush, who will be right behind him and who could Sunday be the closer, is throwing 98 miles an hour, had a two-inning outing the other day, uh, I believe it was against Seattle, and threw 12 pitches in his first inning, 10 strikes, and 10 pitches in his second inning. And you can occasionally turn to Matt Bush for two innings um, every once in a while in in kind of that David Robertson-type role. You're going to be able to also rest some other guys, um, but that kind of efficiency is, is, is exceptional. Uh, he'll pair up with, with a healthy, once again, Keone Kella in the eighth inning, another Seattle guy. Um, and Kella's been, Kella's been lights out all spring. He pitched two innings the other day. Uh, in the seventh inning, um, you have Tony Barnett, who also grew up in the Seattle area and um, who really established himself after a career in Japan last year uh, as, as a guy who could go more than one inning. And the Rangers have the ability – 
with um, with Jeremy Jeffress there in the seventh inning also to not have to overwork any of those guys. So those six, those are, that's five core relievers. Uh, Alex Claudio, who doesn't throw very hard, but if you've watched the WBC, he's pitched for Puerto Rico, and I think he's pitched five scoreless innings. I think he's allowed two hits. He just gets out. I, I don't know how he does it, but it's arm angle. Um, I think he, he varies his, his pitches from slow to slower, um, and uh, he's, he's been an effective left-hander. So those core six guys for the Rangers, I think, are in really good shape. All that said, the Rangers counted on Tom Wilhelmson to be one of their core guys last year. That blew up in the first week or two of the season. It really set the bullpen back, and they struggled really for the first half of the year until they could kind of catch their breath. And the lineup on paper, it looks strong as it usually does. I guess one of the questions is Adrian Beltre has been in the middle of things for such a long time. Is there any sense that he's slowing down at all at this point, or is he truly ageless? I think he's as close to ageless as I've ever seen. You know, here, let's put it this way. Here's a guy who's going to be 38 the first week of the season, uh, comes to camp and lets us know that the week, the, the day before he got to camp, February 14th, he had strained his calf, which is typically a three-week injury in which a lot of guys uh, need more time than that to come back from. He was back and playing in two weeks and then went to the WBC and played for the Dominican all the way through. Now, his performance at the plate in the WBC wasn't great, but Adrian is a guy who really heats up in the summer months, and I don't think the Rangers are really concerned about Adrian's numbers uh, in the spring. He was as quick as ever defending the position last year. Uh, He hit 30 home runs. I do think the one thing we'll see is I I think that, that 30 home run season last year was kind of a supernova for him power-wise. I think we're going to see the, the power drop uh, to below 25 home runs for the foreseeable future, um, maybe even below 20. Now, the man in the middle, it's going to be interesting, Odor, who had such a breakout last year, 33 home runs, actually had more home runs than the walks, which is something you don't see very often. Can he repeat what he did a year ago? I think Odor is going to be the Rangers' cleanup hitter this year. And um, I think he's going to be nestled in between Adrian Beltre and Mike Napoli, uh, which will put him in a good position. And second base is a very strong position throughout the big leagues right now. You look at our division alone with Altuve and Cano. uh, There's there's some very good second basemen here. But Rudinette Odor is... 23 years old, uh, has an incredible thirst and appetite to compete. And I I think that this is a a budding superstar. So will he hit 33 home runs again this year? I don't know if he'll hit 33, but I think he's certainly established himself as a legitimate power hitter. I think he is going to continue to get better. And I think what we will see is he's never going to be a guy who walks 60 or 70 times in a season. But I think you will see – the two places the Rangers want to see some improvement and have worked with him on are bring up the on-base percentage just a little bit by being a little bit more disciplined. Not patient, disciplined. Find a pitch that you're looking for and attack it. Uh, and if it's not, then you know wait for another pitch. The second area would be some, some defense in the middle. Uh, he's real good at going side to side, but uh, last year, I think he, he laid back a little bit on ground balls. They ended up playing him uh, just a little bit, and, and he ended up with, with 22 errors. So 
most in the big leagues by a second baseman. Um, and I, I think there are two areas where he can improve easily, taking a few more walks and cutting down on errors. If he does that, look, he's going to be a perennial all-star. Yeah. Well, it's a pretty interesting division. When you look at it on paper heading into the season, uh, what are your thoughts on how the division will shake out? I think it's I think it's going to be a really fun and interesting three team race. I, I I'm not buying that the Angels are going to be in it. I know that there are some folks who think they can, and certainly with a guy like Mike Trout in that lineup and the the, the hitting ability that Albert Pujols still possesses, that's nice. But I don't think they've got the pieces around them. Um, and uh, I, I do think that they're going to be better as pitchers as, as a pitching staff this year with the return of Garrett Richards. But this is. This is going to be a fun three-team race between the Rangers, uh, Mariners, and Houston. And I think it is going to come down to that last week. And I do think, you know, you you look at the schedule of the last week of the season, and the Rangers are home against the Astros and then against the A's, who should be the cellar dwellers in the division. And, and both the Mariners and Astros finish on the road. Mm. And so if this is a close race, I think the, the Rangers have – a little bit of an edge going into that final week because they'll be playing at home and the other teams will be traveling. So let's just say, let's, let's put it this way. For right now, I'll continue to to uh, consider the Rangers the defending champions and champions until somebody knocks them off. And with that little edge at the end of the, at the, end of the season, I think they're still going to win a very close race between the three teams. Well, Evan, thanks so much for the time. We really appreciate it. You're right. I think it's going to be a, a fun race, and we look forward to seeing you often and very soon. Thanks again. All right, guys. Take care. We're in the Bronx, New York, the site Yankee Stadium, the house that Ruth built and that can't contain Jay Buhner. Built in 1923 and christened by the Bambino who hit the first home run here, the park was remodeled in 1976. And in the new park, many Mariner memories have been made. The Griffey catch, that we'll tell you about next week. And many, many Mariner home runs, including seven by Jay Buhner. One of them to deepest right center field up on the hitting backdrop where only four others have been. And the most memorable on July the 25th at Yankee Stadium off Wade Taylor. Here's the stretch by Taylor. Davis a lead on the 3-2 pitch. Fastball hit high and deep to left field. Way back. Goodbye, baseball. Jay Buhner with a massive home run way out to left field here at Yankee Stadium. Last Saturday night, he hit a bomb in Baltimore, and now he hits a massive bomb here in New York. Unbelievable. Jay Buhner. That game was an unbelievable game. That blow, an unbelievable blow. The ball was dead on arrival. It landed on top of an ambulance and ended up in the hospital dead. Ah, yes, indeed, the home run traveled 479 feet, the longest ever hit in the 17-year history of the remodeled Yankee Stadium. Maybe it's the fact that uh, he was traded to the Mariners for Kenny Phelps in 1988, or maybe it's just the ghosts of Ruth and Gehrig and DiMaggio, Mantle, and the other greats who have played here that inspire the Mariners' own Jay Buhner to such lengths. Whatever it is, we hope it continues. See you later!